Hello, and welcome to Life on Maine, a daily podcast of Life on Maine in Charlestown, New Hampshire, where we discuss living life on the main purpose as designed by God. I am Pastor Tim Golden, and on these podcasts, we focus on growing in relationship with God, maturing in the faith through His Word, stewarding our relationships with one another, as well as learning to make disciples as we share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Each day highlights one of these facets of spiritual character, growth, and stewardship, so be sure to come back each day to grow a strong and healthy walk with the Lord. Now, let's see what the Holy Spirit wants to show us today. But 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting at verse 12, and I am going to read through verse 33. Though verse 33 is basically going to be where we will be spending our time this morning. But starting at verse 12, Now if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Because otherwise all we have is religion. That's what sets Christ apart. That's what sets Christianity apart, right? We serve a risen Savior. And then, starting at verse 15, Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God, if he has not risen. Because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. But, aren't you glad there's a but? <laughs> but now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, that's speaking of Adam, by man, capital M, speaking of Christ, also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all died, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. But each one in his own order. Christ the firstfruits, afterward those who are Christ at his coming. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father, whom he puts in all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign till he puts all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be destroyed is death, for he has put all things under his feet. But when he says all things are put under him, it is evident that he who put all things under him is accepted. Now, when all things are made subject to him, then the Son himself will also be subject to him who puts all things under him, that being the Father, that God may be all in all. Otherwise, what will they do who are baptized for the dead if the dead do not rise at all? When then, why then are they baptized for the dead? And why do we stand in jeopardy every hour? Why are we putting our lives on the line, in other words? I affirm by the boasting in you which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die daily. If in the manner of men I have fought with beasts of Ephesus, what advantage is it to me? If the dead do not rise, let us eat, drink, eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Hmm. The verse 33, do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Awake to righteousness. Do not sin, for some do not have 
the knowledge of God, I speak this to your shame. Meaning some of those that were there in the church. Let's pray. Lord, as we take a look at this powerful passage, uh, even though just kind of peeling off the first layer, God, we ask that you would be in this moment, that you would speak to our hearts, you'd give us wisdom, Lord, to be able to see your truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So I only stopped at verse 33 because I could take up the whole service reading the rest of the chapter because it's all one continual thought. But to understand verse 33, you had to hear the first verses, the, those first 20 verses. Okay? Because what was happening was there was a teaching that had infiltrated into the church. And it was a teaching that was actually not uncommon. You may have heard of these people called the Pharisees. Less known are the Sadducees. Right? The Pharisees lived according to the law. And, but with the Sadducees, they did not believe that there was a resurrection of the dead. And they do not believe that Christ was raised. This teaching had really begun to infiltrate into the Christian church in that day. So much to the point that Paul had to spend a number of verses, not just before verse 33, but the next number of verses after 33, talking about this concept of, first of all, is there really resurrection for the dead? And confronting this false teaching that had begun to infiltrate. And then to follow, he'll begin to talk about what that really means for us. You know, and, and us being raised. What, what, how does that happen? What, how does that transpire? But in the middle of all of this talk about the resurrection of the dead, first Christ and then us, he throws right in the middle this verse 33. Okay, he's talking about some very important things that the church needed to understand about the resurrection of the dead of Christ and the resurrection of the dead, meaning us. But what was really the gist of what he was saying is this verse 33. Do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. Because unfortunately, the church in Corinth had been deceived. And that deception did not come from without. It came from within. Okay, henceforth why he wrote there at the very end, I speak this to your shame. Why? Because that for some do not have the knowledge of God, meaning some within the group that was hearing this writing, this letter, that was confronting this behavior. This was not something coming at them from the world. It wasn't coming at them from CNN in Jerusalem <laughs> at the time. It was coming forth from people that they trusted, from people who had befriended them, from people that they felt were maybe even reputable. But yet they had given ear to a false teaching. And some received the false teaching for other people, it just raised doubt. And how they know that's where the enemy starts. He doesn't start by trying to convince you of the lie, he just starts by convincing you to doubt the truth. That's what he did with Eve. He didn't lie to her at first, he just first got her to doubt the truth. And once she began to doubt the truth, then she bought the lie. Mm -hmm. Okay? And that's what the enemy was doing here, and that is what he has done throughout the generations. Mm -hmm. Get people to doubt. Get their faith to shake a little bit. And then they'll be open to anything. So Paul comes onto the scene and says, okay, enough's enough. In the way that only Paul could do. Mm. And begins to set them straight on this whole concept, and explaining it and actually in quite detail. 
And I mean, I don't know, when I read this passage, I had to read it a few different times just to really wrap my head around everything he was saying in this. But the main point I want us to understand here is this. Some people were coming in and saying that Christ did not rise from the dead. Trying to somehow convince them that the religion was still okay, but you just throw this out, because this just doesn't make sense. Accept everything else, but let's do away with this. But what, what Paul was doing was saying, by getting rid of that, you got rid of the entirety of our faith. Mm -hmm. You get rid of the entirety of the value of what it really means to be a Christian. If Christ is not raised from the dead, then we are still in our sins, it says. And it goes further to say, and guess what? Amongst that, in verse 19, if, this life only, if in this life only we hope in Christ, if it's just a false hope that, well, let's just believe that he rose from the dead, and what does it really matter after all? Because by the time we're dead, we'll be dead, and we're not going to care. <laughs> right? But what he says is if our attitude is that it's only going to give us hope in this life, we are of all men the most to be pitied. In other words, what he's saying is, if that's what it's really all about, guess what, Christians? You're nothing but a bunch of fools. And, I, and I'm clumping myself in with that, he's saying. And then he follows it up, but now Christ is risen from the dead. And this is how we know. And of course, we know there's been all kinds of uh, ideas out there so far trying to explain um, how did he, did he really rise? Was his body stolen? Was he really dead in the first place when he came off the cross? All of them have been disproven. The only one left standing is the fact that Christ could have really raised from the dead. And we can take full assurance in that. And that is a whole message in and of itself, is it not, to talk about. But again, I want to bring this down to this concept, because he's saying, okay, we've got to address this one issue. But then in verse 33, he's saying, but there's a greater issue at stake here. The issue isn't just that you're believing this concept that Christ might not have risen from the dead. The greatest issue here is you're letting yourself be led astray by other people. And, and see, I can correct this one thing, but if you don't somehow increase your deception receptors, mm. then all we're doing is we're, we're, we're putting a band-aid over this issue, and then the next thing that comes around, you're going to fall right into the same hole again. So what he's trying to help them understand is you cannot allow yourself to be deceived. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3 says this, Let no one deceive you by any means. For that day, capital D, that meaning when Christ comes again, will not come unless the falling away comes first. So that right there tells us that there's a lot of people that will claim to be Christians that will allow themselves to be led astray by false teachings, by a false idea, by being made to believe and you know, I'm just going to name something right out here. <laughs> this is where we're at right now. This lie of tolerance. You know, now tolerance sounds good on the surface, doesn't it? That we should, and we should, we should love one another. We should accept one another. We should have mercy on one another. It's God who judges, right? Mm -hmm. So is there an element of truth? Yes. But that's what makes deception so deceptive. Is that there's always an element of truth in it, but it's taken to a false extreme. Mm -hmm. And what begins to happen is we begin to teach this level of tolerance, and then what we do is we then begin to buy into this concept of tolerance. That means I have to accept certain behaviors rather than confront them. We need to get back to the point where we stop calling things by politically correct terms and learn to start calling sin, sin. Amen. 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 
you know, and begin to realize that the things that sometimes our society wants to accept as being okay is, according to Scripture, sin. I'm not judging anybody. I'm a sinner just like anybody else. But you know what? God's grace has come and saved me. Amen. You know, and it's saving me every day. Amen. Because there's not a day that doesn't get, that I don't get up, that I don't do something by the end of the day that causes me to have to tell God, I messed up again. Sometimes you might say it's a little thing, sometimes it's a big thing, but you know, in God's eyes, they're all the same size. Yeah, right. So it's... We've got to get to this concept that sin is sin. It was sin then, it's sin today, and it's going to be sin tomorrow. I don't care how much we say that we got to accept it, or how many people we put into different places of authority within the church that are practicing these sins. See them for what they are, you know, and begin to call it out. Love the people. You know, I'm so glad that God loved me right where I was, but he loved me too much to let me stay there. Amen. I know we have to have that same attitude with others that are out there. Love them into the kingdom. Love them where they are. But does your love go deeper than that, that you're willing to say, hey, I know where this is going to take you, and it's going to destroy you spiritually? Let's work this out. Let's work on this together. You know? I know I've walked that walk with some, and I know some of you have done the same. Because if we don't begin to call sin, sin, and we begin to just allow certain things, intolerate certain things to an unhealthy level, what will happen is we will ultimately be the ones destroyed. Your old adage before, you know, you put some, you have a uh, laundry full of dirty clothes, you put one piece of clean clothing in it, that one piece of clean clothing doesn't clean all the others. That one clean one gets dirty. And that's in essence what he's saying in verse 33, don't be deceived because evil company corrupts good habits. But hold on, I thought greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Yeah, but don't play with the devil. Don't play with the devil. Understand that he will corrupt. He is very deceiving. He is the master deceiver. You know, and yes, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Big God, little devil. But understand, without God, it's big devil, little you. Okay. There you go. And so we need God in our life. Us going against him alone ain't going to work. Ain't, isn't going to work. But we've got a God behind us who's got our backs, who will take care of us. Amen. Amen. And we need to take a stand. Take it seriously. So... Understand that there will be a falling away. Ezekiel chapter 33 verse 6 says, But if the watchman sees the sword coming, in other words, you see the danger, and does not blow the trumpet and the people are not warned, and a sword comes and takes a person from them, he is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood I will require from the watchman's hand. That's a harsh word. Let me, read, let me read that again. But if the watchman sees the sword, now who would be the watchman? Those that are walking with God, those that are being prayerfully humble before him. If the watchman sees the sword, sees the danger, sees the deception coming, and does not blow the trumpet, does not sound the alarm, and the sword comes and takes even one person from amongst them. 
His blood I will require from the watchman's hand. Ouch. So let us understand. We have got to be alert to the deceptions that are out there. For our own sake and for the sake of our brothers and sisters in Christ. There will be some who will try to deceive you. The sword is coming. It's a given. It's going to happen. But understand that sometimes it's intentional and sometimes it's unintentional. There are some that are doing it meaning to bring some level of deception and destruction. Others are just doing it out of pure ignorance. Mm. Maybe somewhere they got off the right path. And probably what happened was that they listened to somebody that they thought was spiritually more mature than them. And they took what they had to say as gospel truth. Mm. When it really wasn't gospel truth. And so they simply re repeat what they had heard. And then eventually they got off the path, and then they begin to share that with others, and they also fall off that path. 1 Corinthians chapter 3.18 says there's another source of deception. It says, let no man deceive himself. So sometimes the deception comes from outside. Sometimes it's intentional. Sometimes it's unintentional. Sometimes it comes from the enemy. Sometimes it comes from our own selfishness. Sometimes it comes from our own comfort or our desire to be in control. Right. Did I say that one again? <laughs> Sometimes the deception comes from our desire to be in control because if we're in control, that says, I know better than God. And doesn't that, in a sense, put us in a place of God? And isn't that what got Satan kicked out to begin with? Yeah. Ouch. Let no man deceive himself, 1 Corinthians 3.18. If any man among you thinks that he is wise in this age, he must become foolish so that he may become wise. Yeah. Well, what the heck does that mean? <coughs> in other words, well, just read your Bible. <laughs> there you go. Okay? I tell you, you read any length of this, and you'll find out this totally goes against common sense. This totally goes against the way that we normally think of life. And we've talked about some of these things before. How do we gain victory in the kingdom of God? Surrender. How do we gain life? Die. You know, this stuff does not make sense. But yet anyone who has walked the walk, anyone that has experienced Christ in life, knows this to be true, don't we? We have seen it at play. But it's foolishness to the world. It doesn't make sense. Guess what? It's not supposed to. We're finite people trying to comp trying to comprehend an infinite God, a kingdom in which we haven't ever been part in the physical. We've got to take him at his word. Become foolish by realizing you just don't know everything. <laughs> but he does. Some men will deliberately try to deceive and deliberately try to fool you. But this is rare. Okay, usually... It's just somebody in the church, or sometimes it's an entire church, takes hold of one particular belief, not realizing that it's ungodly, because they've allowed themselves to be deceived. Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 8 and 9 says, For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Do not let your prophets, your preachers, okay, those that proclaim my name, do not let your prophets who are in your midst and your diviners deceive you, and do not listen to the dreams which they dream. For they prophesy falsely to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. False prophets. 
So now you begin to get a little bit of an idea of how this is continuing from where we've been. Remember what chapter 14 was about. Allow the speaking of tongues. Allow prophecy. Let that stuff take place. But now he's saying, guess what? Because of some of this, you're buying into some things that have been deadly. Because you've accepted them as gospel. But he doesn't throw the prophets out with the bathwater. He says, I want you to continue doing this stuff in chapter 14. Didn't he? He said, I want, I want to see these things happening within the body. But what he's stating here, and what we see here backed up with Jeremiah, is that there will be people that will prophesy falsely. So somewhere along the line, if, you're going, if this stuff is going to be allowed in the body of Christ, we better have some way of figuring out what's false and what's true. What's the real deal and what's the counterfeit? The problem is the church for too long has just thrown it all out and said, if we just don't have the real, we won't have to worry about the counterfeit. But we, by so doing, we have limited the power of God in the church. So we need to allow the one, but be alert to the other. Romans chapter 16, verse 17 to 20. Now I urge you, brethren, keep your eyes on those who cause dissension and hindrances contrary to the teaching which you've learned, and turn away from them. Keep your eye on. This, this is another one of those kingdom principles. How do you keep your eye on them and turn away from them? Right? What he's basically saying here is, be alert. See if there's any of this happening in your midst, and be on your alert for it. Do not give it any attention, do not give it any heed, but be aware it's there, and it's going to try to get at the hearts of some other people. And you've got to be there to be able to rescue when rescuing needs to happen. For such men are slaves, not of our Lord Jesus, but of their own appetites, selfishness, greed, right, power. And by their smooth and flattering speech, so they sound good, they sound spiritual, they sound religious. Hey, they're even using scripture in what they're saying. By their smooth and flattering speech, they deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting. For the report of your obedience has reached all. Therefore I am rejoicing over you, but I want you to be wise in what is good and innocent in what is evil. For God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. We need God's grace if we're going to sustain this. Don't worry that the Lord's going to ignore their wrongdoing. Okay? Be alert to what's going on. Be willing to stand in the gap. Also understand, God is aware of what's going on. And they will pay a price for it. Amos chapter 8, verses 4 and 7. Hear this, you who trample the needy. The Lord has sworn by the pride of Jacob, indeed, I will never forget any of their deeds. Mm. Wow. <laughs> it is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. Yeah. Second Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3 and verse 9. But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will also be false teachers among you who will secretly introduce destructive heresies even denying the master who bought them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. Many will follow their sensuality, and because of them, the way of the truth will be maligned. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their judgment from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. 
then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from temptation and to keep the unrighteous under punishment for the day of judgment. There is a day that God will be vindicated. His word will not be trampled. Now it's obvious who the deceiver is. The deceiver really is the devil. And people are used as his pawns every day. There's even some great Christians that have been used as pawns in his hands at times. The devil is trying to get you off the path and onto something else, some other way that will lead you down a path of destruction. Be aware of it. Again, a lot of times it starts off subtle. Sometimes it just starts off with a little bit of doubt. But be careful of where it's going to take you. So how does one get deceived? Simple. One step at a time. He starts little and gradually works from there. A little bit of bad doctrine here. Small little falsehood over here. And I'm not knocking worship songs overall, but sometimes, you know, even hymns in the hymnal. We gotta, when we sing them, we better think about what we're singing. Because mm -hmm. oh. I've heard some great, even spiritual courses, and I've even seen some hymns in the hymnals, which generally might be 90% on target, but then all of a sudden there's like this thing in there. But we swallow it. After all, what harm will it do? Right? Reminds me of the dad who went with his sons into the, uh, or his sons came and said, Dad, we want to go see such and such a movie. He's like, well, I really don't think you should because there's, you know, this profanity in there, there's a little profanity in there, and there's a little, you know, there's some swearing up that. That's only like five minutes, but the plot's good. You know, it, it's got a generally a good moral to it, and I'm not preaching against going to movies, okay? But I want you to hear a principle here. So what happened is, that's, and so they wanted to do that later in the day, and so before they left that day, Dad had made some cookies, some chocolate chip cookies. And they smelled them cooking, and they got ready to go. He's like, well, here, I made you something to go with you when you go out to the movies. I made you some chocolate chip cookies to take. Oh, really great! And they go and they take them. It's like, oh, just just one thing first. Um, I, I had a little bit of dog dung from the backyard, <laughs> just a little, just just, just maybe okay. a quarter of a teaspoon to it. All the rest of it's good. Oh, you would, oh, I can't believe you did such a. And then all of a sudden they begin to realize what he was saying. You know, lots of times we'll buy the lie that's mostly good that we're over, willing to overlook that little bit of dung that's in there, not aware that maybe that little bit of dung could ultimately kill us. Okay? So, be aware it's going to happen one step at a time. Be careful who and what you are taking to heart. Listening is fine, but making life and spiritual decisions based on somebody else's words is a dangerous thing. And I'm not saying don't listen. You know, but even with me, don't take my word for stuff. You should be taking what's said here on Sundays and taking it back. That's why we give you the references. To make sure I'm not telling you something that's not biblical. And I've been corrected once or twice. And I was so thankful I was. And I had to come back up and say, you know what? I misinterpreted something. And was able to come back. And look, it hasn't happened a lot early on to see that happen. Amen. So, be careful. Take what you're taking to heart. Isaiah 64, verse 8. But now, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, and you are our potter. And all of us are the work of your hand. Make sure he's the one at the potter's wheel, and not somebody else. Amen.
Amen. Anything, anything other people that are spiritual leaders or anybody that you look up to spiritually, receive what they're saying and take it back to the Word. Take it back to the Word. So, how will you recognize? The way you will recognize, because we need to resist the deceiver, don't we? Resist the devil, James 4 tells us, resist him, he'll have to what? He'll have to flee. He doesn't have a choice. Bye-bye. So how do you recognize them? 2 Peter 3.18 says, Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The only way you're going to be able to resist is by growing in grace and knowledge. And Ezra chapter 7.10 says, Ezra has set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to practice it. Not enough just to hear it. you got to put Amen. feet to what it is you're hearing. It's not enough to take it into your head. It's not even just enough to take it into your heart. It's got to be lived out. But Hosea 4, 6 says simply this. My people are destroyed in lack of knowledge. That's where it begins. Right? The whole concept of dece being deceived. The actual Greek word there means to simply lead down a wrong path. So how do I keep from being led down that path? Study the Word of God. First and foremost, study His Word. And that will lead you flawlessly. Psalm chapter 119, verses 1 through 5. Your Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. Right? It's for what's going on right now, and it's what's coming down the road. It's going to give me wisdom into both. Thank you, Lord. So how do you get this knowledge? Real quickly in closing. First, James 1, 5. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. You cannot understand how to head off the deceptions of the enemy if you're not spending time in the presence of God. There's got to be time that you're engaged in prayer and seeking Him for His wisdom. And He says this, Who gives to all generously and without reproach? So if you ask and you're not double-minded, He will give it. Okay. So start by asking. Start by spending that time in the Lord. Proverbs 1.7 gives you the second step to getting the knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Don't just see God, just don't see Jesus as being your friend or being your brother or being your co-heir. Okay? Though he is all those things. Understand first and foremost, God is God. Right? And he is to be feared. He is the Almighty. Right? And he is to be feared reverently and respectfully. And then, the third thing is found in Psalm 1, 1 and 2. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the paths of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. His delight is in the law of the Lord. I'm not saying our delight is in the Ten Commandments. But what it's saying is, I am, I am pumped when I spend time in the Word. I get overjoyed to be able to just to be able to read what it is you say and take them to heart. Ask God. Reverence Him. Take joy in the Word. And then Proverbs 13, 20. He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. In other words, it's not just enough to read your Word. Read the Bible. And to trust the Holy Spirit. Though He is our ultimate. He's the first go-to, right? But understand this. That sometimes, I've seen a lot of Christians, maybe you have too, that took some things as being from the Holy Spirit that really were not from the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Because you can tell from reading the Word. But sometimes we need brothers and sisters.
to be able to lead us and guide us in that. Amen. And so it's not discounting the importance of those people in your lives. It's just make sure God's first. Yes. Make sure God's first. But also know there's lots of time God's going to use others to speak through into our lives. Yeah. And then Isaiah 1.26, I will restore your judges as at the first, your counselors as at the beginning. Afterward, you should be called the city of righteousness, the faithful city. Let me tell you how that passage starts out in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 1. You faithful that have chosen now to become a harlot. Whoa. And then it goes on for the next 25 verses, talking about everything that Israel was doing wrong, everything that they were doing that was proving to be spiritual adultery mm. in their lives. They chose as God's people to be led astray, to be deceived, and walk down a very dangerous path. And God says, I see it, and I will judge it. However, know this, I'm going to restore people. I can speak to you directly, but sometimes I see I use people. And I'm going to put judges and counselors in your midst, people that you can rely on, people that you can turn to and understand that they are seeking me. And afterward, you'll be called the city of righteousness, the faithful city. I will restore you completely back to where you were. I'm going to speak my words. I'm going to speak them to you directly, but I'm also going to speak them to you through other people. If you will listen. And that is the big piece that we have to also remember. So last time, the reason we get deceived is because we like what we hear in the deception. And so it's being willing to submit our own minds on a daily basis to the will of God. To allow ourselves to be governed by Him. So that even when He calls us to something contrary to our flesh, we'll be able to hear it. Yeah. When He tells you to do those things like love your enemies, bless those that persecute you, right? Or refrain from certain sins, you know. One thing I find about temptation, it's very tempting. <laughs> yeah. And there's a reason it's tempting. There's something about it that appeals. There, there's something about it that tastes good. But be careful of that. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Yeah. And that, and when we begin to get an appetite for Him, our appetite for the things of the world goes by the wayside. Amen. Amen. We want to thank you for tuning into today's broadcast. We pray that it was beneficial for you. Be sure to tune in tomorrow for another episode of Life on Main. You can learn more about our church by visiting our website at lifeonmain.org. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash lifeonmain, where you can learn about upcoming events and find links to videos of these broadcasts and sermons. You can also view our sermons on our YouTube channel at bit.ly slash Life on Main with each of those words capitalized. Thanks for listening to Life on Main and may God bless you.